Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Are you ready for the word? Come on, stay to your feet. We're accustomed to honoring God's word here. We just simply believe that when you honor God, God honors you and we love him so much and so thankful for what he's doing. Grab your Bibles. This is this is really a quick scripture text. I'm in a teaching mode right now, and I'm just going to simply try to do my very best to convey this word to you today. In this limitless series, Matthew chapter 12, verses 45, 46 actually, 47, then I'll be skipping down to 49 and 50. Out of the New King James very familiar portion of scripture. Man, I am excited to be here today. I'm excited to be in church. Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, look, your mother, your brothers, are standing outside seeking to speak with you. Verse 49. Now at this point, you see, Jesus was doing some things that the Spirit of His Heavenly Father was telling Him to do. He was on assignment. At a very young age, Scripture tells us at about the age of 12. Now we know He was about 12 because during that time when He was in Egypt, God deterred His route when he was coming back as a child, as a baby, he went to Nazareth. He stayed in Nazareth for 12 years. And after 12 years going back to Bethlehem, then we recognize and read the scripture where he was in the synagogue speaking to the people. And then there, he starts expounding on the word of God. He loses his family. They're looking for him. And this is what he says to them. Verse, also verse 49, he stretched out his hands towards his disciples and said, now this is when he was older, but when he was younger, I'm going to read you the last portion, he did the same thing. When he was older, he stretched out his hands and he looked at everyone else and he said, here are my mother, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. So that was kind of shocking to his family, right? It's like seeing someone famous that's related to you and you go, man, I'm, dead. I'm related to them. And then when you bring your friends to show that you're related, they look at you and go, I don't know who he is. Sorry. Jesus looked at them and looked at the crowd and told them he wasn't being cold. He was just being real about his assignment. He said, those that do hear the will of God, my father, those are my mothers, my brothers, and my sisters. Notice he didn't mention father because he had one heavenly father. That's right. He recognized that, but that's why he did what he did. He believed in family. But what he helped us realize is this. The flip side of that coin is, is that he expects us to have the same mindset the people that you, go to, that you go to church with, the people that are believers that you serve with, that do God's will with, you should have a close relationship with them. Everyone should have a chemistry, some type of, of, of balance and, and, and sense of knowing that doing God's work and doing God's will, even being in church together, just coming to church gives you a sense of camaraderie. You know that you're among people that have the same faith that you have, the same love for God that you have, and he loves you just as much as anyone else. There's no one that's favored in it here. We are all favored by God. But there's a sense of camaraderie and a sense of family. I have found throughout the years, and I love my blood family, but I have found throughout the years that I have been closer in most circumstances to my church family because of the spiritual connection that we have. And I've never shunned my family, and I have never tried to be rude to my family, but I have emphatically said in my spirit to my family here in this house that we love you, we're with you, we're doing life together, I feel a sense of purpose with you, and there's something that joins us together. God 
blesses unity. God blesses those that work with him. So with all that being said, the subtitle for today's message is simply knowing your assignment. Knowing your assignment. A lot of people don't know their assignment. They don't know exactly what they're called to do, where their place is. Or uh, Let me give you a hint today. Part of your assignment you're fulfilling right now by being in God's house. You really are. You're, you're fulfilling part of your assignment to get charged, to feel like you've got encouraged and have more faith and more light and more love. And you can receive something from the worship and receive something from the word. So when you step out there, you can have an attitude and a mentality that helps you stay focused to reach out to others. So you are in training right now. Look at church as an education. Look at church as a place to get closer to Jesus. It's funny how when we get out of high school, we look forward to paying someone to get us, let us back in school. Because people want to learn more. They want to grow. But God's going to bless you. and We want to help you grow. Will you lift up your hands and pray for the service one more time? Will you pray God bless it today? Would you pray that God would anoint the atmosphere? We believe in that kind of stuff. We believe that God can. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you today for what you're doing in this house. Nothing's too hard for you to do. There are people here, God, that have special needs. And there are individuals here today, God, that you're going to bless with knowledge and understanding. And God, we pray that the spirit of heaviness would leave those that are in this place that have it. That the spirit of depression would leave those who are carrying it today. That worry would leave this house right now. That every aspect that isn't from you, that every part of our being, God, would simply surrender. And that we would be filled with your goodness today. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Hey, one more time, give him some praise. fixing to find out why you were born. You're fixing to find out what you're created. You're going to know your assignment. And after you do that, you can be seated. We appreciate you all so much. So glad you're here. Just to recap, just for a moment. And by the way, you can follow and download my notes on our app. You can take them home. You can tear them apart. You can study them. You can go and verify. Hey, I think you tell the truth study yourself. We encourage everybody, take notes, take scriptures, go back home, don't believe what I say, prove it for yourself. Amen. God's word is true. Yes. God's word is true. And so last week we talked about acceptance. We talked about acceptance being the beginning of fulfilling God's will in your life. You have to have clarity on what God's will is. You have to have clarity on who you are. As a child of God, you have to have full confidence and not live and allow condemnation to come into your life. Not allow and let shame remain when the blood is so powerful. And the blood is applied when we ask God for forgiveness. First John says that if we are if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God is powerful enough. God is willing. And so when we are willing as he is willing, then we are in cooperation. And that's simply saying, God, I believe you. And we open our hearts to him to work. We open up our hearts. God wants to bless you. God wants to move you to a new place in your walk with him. Um, this will never end. Life is an education. We are going to continually grow. If you cease to grow, it's because you, you don't want to know. Anymore. You feel like you know it all. You know anybody like that? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. Just... Know it alls. Don't grow it alls. <laughs> they don't. You can cease from your growth because you know the Bible says it that for lack of knowledge we can be defeated in areas of our life. And wisdom is about allowing God's Spirit to interpret that knowledge, and we may be called call it understanding. The equation is wisdom and knowledge equals understanding. And when an understanding, when a, when a heart of understanding knows, they know that they know that they know, you understand how this born again process works. You understand what happened when you said, Father, forgive me. You have your identity. And it's easier to accept 
the fact of who you are when you know you've been forgiven. How many forgiven people do we have here today? Have you ever been forgiven? If you've never given your life to Jesus, guess what? Today's a great day to do that. Today's a great day to do that. So now we're going into the second part of this series, which is your assignment. Once you've accepted who you are, now you have to realize what is your assignment as a child of God, as part of his family. And again, in Luke chapter 2, verses 43 and 50, when he had finished the days and they returned, this is when he was a child now. And so Mary and Joseph, the boy Jesus, lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they thought he was with them. They went a day's journey. Some of you would flip if you left your child behind a day, 24 hours. Have you ever been left behind as a child? Yes. <laughs> you know your parents loved you. You know they cared about you. There were so many in your tribe that when you got in the car, okay, where's Steve, where's Larry, where's Mo? where's Curly, where's... They're not here. We've got to go back. Let's go back and get them. They're still at the store. I've been left behind before. On purpose and accident. But anyways, <laughs> I was bad when I was little. So Jesus got left behind. And supposing he was there with the company, they went a day's journey, and they sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. And so when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. So it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening and listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they had saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Where have you been? Now, I'm going to tell you just that simple question. And, and if this was about me, right up there, the writer would say, And she took her chakla off. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be in quotations, <laughs> Mary was long suffering, I'll tell you that. I mean, just to walk up and say, Son, why have you done that to me? There must have been a fear of God in their hearts. That's all I can figure out, right? There must have been, you know, but this, my God, can I whip him? Can I not whip him? Am I going to be judged? Is lightning going to fall? <laughs> why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why do you seek me? Do you not know I must be about my father's business? Very strong, but he knew his assignment. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. They didn't know what he was talking about. They didn't understand it, but he understood. He was born for a reason. He was sent into this world for a reason. He knew who he was, even at the age of 12. Even at a very young age, he understood the assignment. And then his parents, his foster parents, his mom and his foster dad, they didn't understand the full concept of what he was saying as a child. They saw the amazement. They saw him conversing. They saw him uh, asking questions and then answering questions. And they're like, my God, they must have thought for a moment, this is a genius. You know, we have a smart child. This boy he is anointed. He is the son of God. So apparently she went up to him and with that mentality and said, son, why did you leave for this? Scared. God struck. Jesus was no ordinary child. Jesus was extraordinary. Neither was he a regular man, but he was the son of man, emphasizing that he was separated from everyone else in his identity. He was the Son of God, came into this world to save us from our sins and give himself for us. To give himself away for us and to shed his blood, to allow his blood to be shed by a government governed by heathens and pagans. By a religion led by ego and pride and tradition. Yes. As instruments of fulfilling God's will, it didn't look like God's will at the moment, but he said he said intently 
in that prayer garden moment. Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. But if not, nevertheless, I'm going to drink it. In other words, I'm going to go through the pain and the suffering because this is my assignment. Not everybody has the same assignment, folks. Not everyone has the same calling. We are all called to be the sons of God. And I don't mean that to just refer to just one gender. In the scripture, when you look at the scripture in the kingdom of God, the scripture says that in heaven and in those heavenly places, there is neither female nor male. They're all one. And when the scripture identifies the word man, it comes from the Greek word that means spirit. And so when you look at this as a child of God, as a son of God, it's referring to your spirit man. Even ladies have a spirit man on the inside. That's right. It's just referring to the spirit. So with that being said, you have someone in you who knows the assignment. Yes. You have someone in your life who knows what you were meant to do. And this makes so much sense in the life of Jesus. But not everyone recognized his parents said, we don't understand this. Oh, why did you do this to us? Why are you here? And when he said that, he gave them the answer. They still didn't understand it. And here's the point I want you to take with you. This is not the first point, but just a thought. Not everyone's going to understand your assignment. One indication that God has called you to do something will raise questions in the ears and the eyes of everyone, in the minds of everyone else in your life. Most of the time when God has assigned you to something, it doesn't make sense for everyone else, but it should make perfect sense to you. That's why I realized in God's assignment when he's given it to people in the Bible, uh, patriarchs and prophets and apostles and teachers and pastors, he gave them assignments that didn't make sense to everyone else. Moses, I want you to bring millions of people out of Egypt. Well, that didn't make sense. Moses did his 80s. Joseph, I'm going to raise you up to be second in command. And the, the, the moon and the, and the sun and the stars are going to bow down. They're going to, you know, the, the, the lesser lights are going to bow down and give you obeisance. And the sheaves of your brothers are going to bow down to the sheaves that you've collected from the harvest. And, and that didn't make sense to someone who was thrown into a pit, accused of adultery, accused of being a thief, and thrown into prison. That didn't make sense for Joseph. It looked like it was going to happen. But it happened. That's right. The apostle Paul, before he was converted on his road to Damascus, experience was known as Saul of Tarsus. And Saul of Tarsus was a, now we know by scripture, was a vessel, a vessel of God. He was someone chosen by God to do something for the kingdom of God. And beforehand, it didn't look like it. And then he called a prophet to go pray for him, and he gave him an assignment. And his assignment was, go pray for Saul of Tarsus. Go pray for him. I have called him to be a vessel. And the reply was from his disciple, Lord, that's the guy that's been persecuting the church and killing our families. That assignment doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't look like that's. Are you sure? That's what Moses said. Are you sure? Joseph didn't say, are you sure? Joseph was so proud that he told everybody, this is what God's called me to do. And it got him in trouble because his ego and pride, he wasn't under control. That's right. Until his ego and pride, he'd been broken enough. Then God brought his assignment to him and said, okay, now you're ready. Amen. Moses wasn't ready. Moses had to go in the wilderness for 40 years and then he lost his self-confidence. He was so broken. Then God said, okay, now you're ready. Because assignments come to those who have been through a process. It becomes very clear. Sometimes your assignment is many little assignments. That God wants to just test your obedience to everything he's called you to do. Amen. You may find yourself alone sometimes in your assignment. You may find yourself leading others in your assignment. You may find yourself in new places. Meeting new people in your assignment. You'll find yourself in a position you're influencing others and that's ultimately where God wants you to be in a position where you are influencing others that's where you can make a difference to the Christ that is in your life but God's assignment always requires change 
It always requires change. Consider this. Jesus. Jesus came into this world to seek and save those that were lost. But in order to do this, he needed an assignment. And one time, Jesus was given an assignment before he fulfilled his calling at Calvary. He had little assignments in his life. He went from town to town. In one portion of scripture, he said, I need to go to Samaria. The Spirit of God was speaking to him and saying, go to Samaria. Now, Samaria was a place where there were outcasts that were there. It was a mixed breed of people, for lack of better expression. It was simply a place where they weren't God's chosen people. They were a combination of Jew and Gentile. And in this portion of Scripture, Jesus said, I need to go there. His assignment was to speak to a woman that was going to be at the well. Not a prominent woman, not of one of a great reputation, but one of ill repute. She was simply going to be there and she was going to get water from the well. And then he would meet her. And when he gets there, because remember, that's his assignment. When he gets there, in order for her, she didn't have an assignment, but she was an assignment. Watch this. So he gets there, and the first thing he says is, can you give me some water to drink? Notice, he asked her for something first. And she said to him, he was questioning it. No one would ever talk to her. She wasn't that one person that you wanted to be seen with. And Jesus said, if you knew who asked you for water, you would have given it to him. He would have given you everlasting life. Living water. Living water. She said, give me the water, Lord, so I can drink it. She said, first go get your husband. And he started reading her mail. He started to greet her mail and tell her her life. The word of knowledge was so strong. He was telling her life story and, and she and she went into the town and said come see a man that told me all things That's, that was her assignment she didn't even know it was to go and tell everyone about Jesus and direct them to him because there was going to come a day when this spirit would be poured out on all nations and all flesh and he had to precede that by spreading the news. And he couldn't do it himself, but he used a little lady to do that for him in Samaria. This was part of her assignment. But recognize before she received an assignment, it wasn't by chance that he asked her for something before he gave her something. Gave her knowledge. Gave her understanding. Started ministering to her. Most of the time in our life, God does require things from us. Even mercy and grace. You know, mercy woke up at your bedside this morning. Mercy was at the foot of your bed. Mercy met you when you stepped off of your bed and your feet hit the ground. Mercy met you. But how many of us know, even though mercy and grace and goodness of, and the goodness of God follows us all the days of our life, we still have to stop and ask Him for something. That's right. We still have to stop and ask Him for something. And then God asked us once. God doesn't continually ask if we're going to ignore him. He'll, he, he very, he's very long-suffering long with us. He's filled with love. God loves us so much. He, he wants the best for us. But God would never ask you to do something that he's not willing to get you through himself. That's right. Amen. With his help. Yes. When you start meeting God in the crossroads of your life, at one part of your life during this walk with God, you will come to a place called a crossroads. With, and you have to figure out if you're going to follow God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength and really make him the Lord of your life or you're just going to just play around a little bit before you truly find direction. And the question that Jesus gave to all his disciples was, come and follow me. Come and follow me. Just follow me. Just don't be afraid. Don't look at all the and allow all these distractions to take place. 
Stop getting offended at every little thing. Stop fighting with people. Stop waiting for them to ask for forgiveness. Stop getting caught up in drama. Stop allowing the haters to get into your heart and ears. Don't allow your finances to just discourage you and, and tell you not to give at all. Don't not go to church just because you have no air conditioning in your car. <laughs> By the way, my air conditioning in my truck went out. That's why I'm saying that. <laughs> You can allow little things in your life and say, you know, because you've been quoting the scripture saying, I am blessed and highly favored of God. I'm the head and not the tail. Then all of a sudden something happens. And when something happens in America, it's minute situations. And sometimes it's just the water heater broke. There's water everywhere. The air conditioning went out. It's an argument over something so dumb between husbands and wives. I got quiet on me. So let me help you out. My wife and I have gotten to arguments sometimes over the stupidest stuff. Is it okay if I say stupid? Because it's no other word for some things. And I've seen us afterwards laugh about it. So dumb. I'm sorry. Distractions. You can't get distracted. So my point to you today, and we have to move on. My point is, at some point, your will will be tested. Yes. Your will, which is your will is made up of your mind. Okay, your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Your soul will be tested, but your will has to be conformed to the will of God. Amen. Your desires for things, because sometimes you don't want to do good when you. No, you need to do good. Sometimes we don't feel like we ought to do it when we just simply don't feel like it. The most productive moments of your life is when you're doing things that you don't feel like doing. So I love coming to church because it is an emotional experience. I feel something when I lift my hands. I feel something when I worship. I feel something when I pray. I feel something here. How many of you can agree with that? You love feeling the presence of God. How many of you love feeling the presence of God? I love feeling his presence. Well, how many of you would like to feel more of his presence? You know, really and honestly, you want to tell you the secret? It's focus. If you're looking around everywhere, if you really preconceived, have a preconceived uh, notion or, or an idea or mentality or attitude before you even step in here that you're not, you're just going to be upset. I don't want to. At least you brought me to church. Maybe come to church. The game is played today, man. I'm the one thing. I'm leaving early. I don't want a beer. I got a beer. Got to be an example for kids. I know what it's all about. I know what it's all about. Man. It's all right. Keep looking forward. Don't look to the side. Don't look to the ocean. I realize it. But this is where you get your assignments. This is where you get direction. This is where when you, if you allow God to touch your mind by focusing on him. See, here's the key. When, when, when God has your attention, you have his attention. And if you'll just allow God to work in your life instead of getting distracted. With whatever, it doesn't even have to be in this church. It's just something that happens before you get here. Or something that happened this week. Listen, forgive. Let go. And, and believe God that he can get your God is bigger believe that God is bigger than your problem that you're dealing with God is bigger than your problem that you're dealing with compare the omniscience omnipot om omnipotence and the omni uh, uh, I'll think of it in a minute God is big imagine how big he is Compared to your small situation, there is no comparison. There is no comparison. God is so mighty. God is so strong. You remember in Sunday school that old song, My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There is nothing that my God cannot do for you. 
God is so big. God is so strong. Point number one, and the only point I'm giving you today is this. God reveals an assignment to the willing. Amen. God reveals his assignment to the willing. If you're willing, if you say, God, I will. I will do this. You're saying that you're going to allow your own self-will. Because a lot of what leads to sin in our life and a lot of what happens to us to get a sidetrack is selfishness. Selfishness is the very root where it becomes all about us and none about him. Selfishness, self-will, man. It's if we can be honest with ourselves this Sunday morning, if I can be honest with you, most of the problems I've ever had in my life spiritually all stem from a selfish spirit. Yes. You know, there are rewards that we, we are motivated by. I want to share this with you. I don't have a lot of time, but I want to share this with you. I recently realized that most of what we go through is based on a reward system. We love rewards. <coughs> And we love instant gratification. That's why we are used to doing things only that bring instant gratification. So this is why when we ever try to accomplish a goal, we don't reach the goal. We get discouraged because there's no reward. There's no instant reward. No good feeling. No sense of accomplishment. That's why I believe every day or every week at least, you should not just come up with long, big goals. You're being unrealistic. Take that big goal, and I'm just helping you a little motivation just for a moment. Take that big goal, chop it up into smaller goals, and just celebrate every increment of the way. For example, if you want to pray for an hour, or if you want to read the Bible, don't sit down and do a Bible marathon and flake out in a week just read a chapter a day who said you had to read a bible in a year who made that up i would rather read one chapter and memorize one verse every single day and by the end of two years almost have the whole scriptures embedded in my heart Amen. it's the tortoise that wins the race yes it's that's the power of consistency well, this is practical, but it also leads to spiritual implication and spiritual assessments for yourself. Where are you? In Christianity, we have been challenged so much to be something and live to a higher standard that we've made the wall so high, that we've made that, that, that barrier so high that no one can reach it. Wait a second. Just walk with him. Just let your will be conformed to his will. Be willing to do small things. Don't make big, huge promises. Don't allow yourself to set yourself up for failure. Be consistent. And if you're willing, God will show you what to do. Start someplace. We encourage everybody, get involved in the church. Serve someplace, even if it's once a month. Just once a month, be willing and start there. Start there with your giving. And if you can't do 10%, start someplace, start at three, start at two, start at one. And let God begin to condition your heart so you can let your will be conformed to his will and bow down to his presence. Too many times in Christianity, we set ourselves up for failure because we get a great head start and we're wonderful coming out of the gate, but we can never finish the lap. That's right. That's not God's will. Amen. It's God's will to start where you're at, begin where you're at, be willing to do what's in front of you without setting up such a big goal or an unrealistic goal and expect everyone else to measure up to that also. That's religion. But start setting up small goals. Five minutes a day talking to God. Start off right there. Trust me. Trust me. Sometimes it's the quality. Five minutes of focused, intent, focused prayer will go a long ways compared to an hour of praying, trying to figure out what's next, what's on the schedule, what I'm going to make for dinner, 
and wrestling through all of that stuff. Start training yourself small, and then they will eventually grow, and you'll reach that goal. And the reason I'm saying make prayer a goal because prayer is the backbone to the church. Prayer is your lifeline to see God move. Nothing happens unless the church prays. And you cannot hear the voice of God if you've never given Him your voice. Give Him your word. Your words, He gives you His word. You understand? You're sowing, and God said, I'm not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And when you sow the words, your words, God will reap God's words. Just a little, little thing. Reveal it. Our will has everything to do when we're looking for God's will. Sometimes our desires and our thoughts and our plans don't align with His desires. And in conforming our will to God's will doesn't happen overnight, folks. Let's be realistic. It doesn't happen overnight. It is a continual process of just being consistent. There's power in consistency. The simple step of denying yourself every day in a little area and doing what God wants you to do will go a long ways. Will go a long way and you'll get more spiritual growth out of that concept than you will trying to be a superhero. You won't get far. When I was first saved, I heard about people that prayed on like 30-day prayer chains. I told my wife, we need to go on this 30-day prayer chain, baby. One of us will sleep while the other one prays. When the other one's done praying, then the other one starts praying, and we're going to do this, and we're going to see angels move, and we're going to see all these things happen. That was unrealistic. I heard about fasting. I went on a 7. I started off and tried to do a 21-day fast. It ended up being only a 3-day fast. I think with a Twinkie in there someplace. <laughs> I could never do things like that because I heard of all these great uh, patriarchs and generals that did it in the faith. And I thought, man, that's what I'm going to be. That's what I'm going to do. And I set myself up for failure where I got burnt out and discouraged. And I was never able to obtain any realistic goal. Then years later, I realized, what's your hurry? I didn't do that with everything else. Why should I treat God that way? When your will is conformed to His will, God will start to reveal to you what you were called to do. But you have to be consistent. And never compare yourself. Never, ever compare yourself to other people because not everybody is like you and not everybody's called to do what you're called to do. You are wonderfully and uniquely made. And the biggest problem we have is, is when we see people moving in their lives, we try to follow them, and when you get there, it just doesn't match up. <laughs> and this is our life. Oh my God, I like what they're doing. Man, they're so cool. I'm gonna just follow their footsteps, but it just doesn't. It's like a kid's game. We're all wonderfully made differently. Not everyone is the same, but we are called to be in the same place, as it were. We're all called to be in the same place, but we all have different callings. So when you try to be like somebody else that you're not, and it doesn't fit well, you get discouraged and you think, well, God, it worked for them, it should work for me. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. The message is always the same, and the assignment is always the same when it comes to the big picture, but the method is always different. That's why not everyone is called to be teachers or public speakers. Trust me, the most the number one fear in the world is public speaking. In my book, in my mind it is. Number two is spiders. <laughs> spiders. Dan Spider. <laughs> but you couldn't do what somebody else is doing. There are men in this building, there are men here that are very crafty. And, and, and don't judge them, but there are other men that are very artsy. And that, that sounds kind of lame, right? Let me rephrase that. There are some men that know how to build, and there are other men in this place that know how to do 
fine arts are playing instruments or singing. Either one doesn't make you more of a man. Amen. I've seen guys judge other guys because they don't do the hard work or get dirty like they do at work. They sit behind a desk. Is, is that lame or is that just being smarter? I don't know. <laughs> so you judge. But the bottom line is, is that you all play a part. And everyone is building the kingdom. But you can't take who you are and try to put in someone else's life. It doesn't work that way. You see, let me let me go back. Let, let me go back and do this. Every individual is made differently. Some people are square. That doesn't mean you're boring, but the square represents the square represents stability. A square is something that brings stability. There are certain people like, you know, that's what you would put as a pier and beam under your house. That's what you take the concrete and it's made up of comprised if you wanted it to be. Back in the old days, it was the chief cornerstone. Yes. And, 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 and blocks of stone that were placed as a foundation. Nowadays, we've got this big foundation. But when if you were to look at this foundation alone, it has four corners. Yes. Square. It brings stability. Yes. There are some people that are maybe not as fast, a little bit slower. I like slow growers, to be quite honest with you, because they have more time to build more roots. And they have stability in their life. Not everybody has that kind of stability. There are some people that have a routine. You know that this time next year, they're going to be doing the same thing they were doing this year. I think this church has stability. Yeah. Because we're no different than we were 10 years ago. We're just more intensely in love with Jesus Christ. Amen. And I think this church has stability. Yes. And, and the flips, on the flip side of that, there are other people that are whole. Some people are very intelligent and they have a lot of wisdom and understanding and they're just there and they're constant. They're stable people. Many times God will put those people in a position of counsel or management. Many times they become teachers. They've learned some things. They understood some things. They understand some things. So when it comes to their calling and they fit into the right place, then they ended up making the mark because they understand what their makeup is. And in this area, it matches their profile and they fit in. Amen. They fit in. The problem most people have when it comes to their assignment is, and they get discouraged and get upset, is because they don't fit in. Okay. Now, can I just simply tell everyone here, there should be no reason why someone in this church should feel like they don't fit in, because we're all covered by the same blood. Amen. We are all called by the same name. We all have the same father. And guess what? He doesn't have favorites. He loves us all the same. But there's stability in him. I, I, I say this very humbly, and I really mean this, but I do believe that over the years, God has put stability in my life. I really do. I think that God has put stability there because I've had a lot of instability. I was unstable in some areas of my life, but you never give up. You be consistent. And the areas you're weak in, the Spirit of God will make you stronger in within time. Amen. And so there are others that are made whole, that are made to be whole. These are people that carry healing in their life. These are people that carry a lot of love. These are the people that can tolerate other people that you can't stand. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you just don't like being around people. Other, other of you love to have a party every single week. Every single day, that's great. That's the way God made you. And there are other people that just don't have the patience for weaknesses or things in their life that cause them to judge somebody because they say to themselves, well, if they would have just done that, or why did they do this? But the rounded whole people are the ones that say, oh, that's okay. And they help make other people whole. And they try to fit themselves into this category, but it doesn't work. Because this person doesn't just accept everybody for, you know, 
this person accepts everybody but doesn't go sometimes without correction. And so this guy right here goes, you know what? I accept you, but there needs to be some fixing here. There needs to be some things I see out of alignment that I think I can help you. That's where the teaching comes in. So everyone is different. But this person, when they find out that their gift is loving people, many times they become counselors, along with being balanced with something else. Maybe many times they become pastors. Maybe many times they become social workers. They work with human relations. They do things that are necessary. In the church, in the church, many times there are people that become prayer partners. They're, they become someone who, who reaches out because they can they love teaching in children's church because they can handle the kids. Some of you were never meant to be in children's church. <laughs> Just say. Some of you don't have the tolerance. Some of you are so square, you go to children's church because you feel like you're called to discipline everybody. <laughs> Hold on a second. They got parents at home, and I believe you got to correct them if they do something wrong here. But you, you're called to love those kids and make them whole. You're called to, they, some of these children, uh, you listen, when we get one of these days, if God allows us to have a Sunday school bus or, you know, whatever, a van or whatever to pick up kids, I would love to see that happen. You know, it'd be a great thing. I'm not saying we're going to do that. I'm just saying maybe God will let us do that one day. But I've taught in a church before that had that kind of a program, and it was a huge program. It was really good. It was effective. And we got children from all over town, and they would, their parents would never come to church, but they trusted us with their kids. And we would love those kids. And we were balanced between, between being square, being round, whole-rounded. But you know, the truth is, is that those kids remember the love, not the rules. Yes. Yeah. Real quick. Three sermons that change your life. Think of them in your entire life. Three sermons. Ready? Go. Think of three. Three sermons. Titles. Give me the titles. Think of them in your heart. Three. Right now. Three of them. Three titles of three sermons. No? If you got three, raise your hand. Okay. Oh, someone raised their hand back there. Very good. Now, here's another one. Here's another one. Three people that influence and change your life. Right now, think of three people. When you get it, raise your hand. Three people's names that changed your life. Why? Why does everyone remember those? Because you remember the love, right. not the rules. Yes. Remember the experience. So when you start experiencing things, everyone's different. But you have to do all these things in love. So the, the triangle, this is a symbol of direction and strength. It's a sense of stability and strength and giving direction. That's to strong personalities. Those are the people that lead the way, sometimes step on your toes, but they mean well. But without them, no one would do anything because they were meant to tell everybody what to do. I got a house full of those kids. Everyone's trying to tell everybody what to do. Thank God for the Holy Ghost that they realized after a while, okay, I'm going to have to submit to her because she's way too strong. But they give direction. Not everyone was meant to be in a leadership position. Not everyone was meant to be there. But the square person can help this person and this person can teach these how to be loving. And, and, and then, then we have the Pentagon. These are the people that love to fight. They're unique. They're different in shape. Their identity only fits one spectrum, their own. Like everyone else's, but they're different people. But I promise you one thing, the challenge with people who love warfare are filled, their, their internal mechanisms are made for defense. Many times these people become defense lawyers. They become lawyers, they love to argue. They love to get through. But they also like to defend people and they also like to see justice. And when you run into somebody like this, you'll realize that they have a place. And they're appointed for a certain time. God called certain kings at certain times that were like this to excel the kingdom, to prepare for someone who was square and round. Solomon was this. David was this. David, David had a love for God, but David was a warrior. Yes. And David prepared the way, and there was a season for him. 
That's why one of the two in the family, most of the time, there's going to be one of the mom or one of the dad, or both. It's very unique, but it happens. One of them is going to be the disciplinarian. The other one's going to be the party animal. <laughs> don't go to dad. Ask mom. Or don't go to mom. Ask dad. But I'm going to give you the last one. The star. These are the people that God raised up to be an influence, a leader over many people. These are people that have been ordained by God from the very beginning to get into government, to be trusted with the voice of the people. These are people that you probably work for that were meant to be considerate. Maybe you're Maybe your situation isn't like that, but for anyone that God calls, for the people that are called by God to get into a circumstance like Joseph, we call them stars because they have been shaped and molded and broken so many times. So many things they've been through that you could never go through. I've had people tell me so many times, and I'm not calling myself a star, but I'm simply saying, that I've had people tell me, I, I feel called to preach, and I feel called to pastor, I feel called to do this. And I look at them with all that zealous, that zeal, and I, I, in the back of my mind, I go, oh, you poor soul. You really don't know. All you see is a Sunday morning between 10.30 and almost 12, or 12 now, but don't worry, I'm getting you out quick. All you see is a spotlight. They look like stars. They're really not stars. They're really broken. They've been broken so much. You put back together, it looks like a star. But it's people that have been through things. That's why you should never, ever judge anyone by and, and say, you know, they don't deserve that. Or they don't, why are they, why are they get chosen, chosen for that? Hold on a second. You don't know the brokenness that they have been through to get to that place. Amen. You don't understand all the tears and all the cries and all the nights of being lonely and all the anxiety and all the demons they have to face. Right. God raises people up when they have been through the valley. And most of the time, every one of those were nothing but tests. Tests to conform the will of God. Even Joseph said, my wife did a great job this past Wednesday night preaching about Joseph. If you haven't seen it, you need to go check it out on YouTube or Facebook. But I'm telling you, even Joseph said, you didn't do this to me, God did. Amen. God allowed me to go through some things to conform me. You see me in this position now, but you don't know what it took to get here. It, it took a, it, right, it took a, it took a pit, you know, it took Potiphar's house. It took a butler and a baker, and it took the place where no one would remember me. All broken places. All broken places. It's a process. But here's the point. You have to be humble enough to serve anywhere and not be too big to do small things Amen. in order to find your assignment. And you have to realize that if something wasn't for you, then accept it. It wasn't for you. But that doesn't mean you stop. What it means is you try something else. You try to be sensitive to God because you're going to be fulfilled where the anointing is in your life. That's it. You find your fulfillment. It doesn't matter what it is. If you are called to be an administrator, a secretary, uh, a foreman, an operator, a maintenance guy, uh, have your own business, you are not going to be fulfilled unless it is what God called you to be. There are some people that are never happy because they're working for somebody. They were meant to have their own business. There are some people that were never meant to have their own business that would be much happier working for somebody. But the only way you can figure that out is it's walking with Jesus and allowing your will and pride to be broken and say, Lord, whatever you want for my life, then God, that's what we're going to do, whatever you want. I remember this. I have to share this story with you. I'm coming to a close. I'm almost there. Here, here's what, here's what I remember. I remember when when I first was called back to Victoria, I thought I was going to open restaurants. I opened up two restaurants. I worked at one restaurant, opened up another, and I wanted to be a restaurant owner. So I told my wife, "We're going to own restaurants, baby." 
we moved to San Antonio, and I thought, man, let me pick a five-star restaurant, and I'm going to learn how it operates and functions, and then we're going to go and open up our own later on. So I did. Within six months, I got a job. I was a waiter. I got promoted as a manager, and then they asked me to open up another restaurant for them, and I did, and I was so excited about it. Then all of a sudden, God started dealing with me in my life. I started experiencing God. A co-worker invited me to church. And I started experiencing the Lord. And I started wondering, what is my calling? This sounds great. I want to build something. I want to see. I want to help people. I love to bless people. I love waiting tables, by the way. I hate big parties, but I love waiting tables and doing this. When God started dealing with me, he actually told me, move back home. I'm going to work on bringing the family together to me. I was obedient to that. I walked away from my position. I had already met with business owners. I was fixing to launch my first little drive-thru. All of a sudden, God changes it. And there could have been a lot of pride there to say, you know, I put a lot of years into this. A lot of hard work. My heart goes out to waitresses and waiters and manage, uh, restaurant managers. I, my heart goes out to them because I know they work hard. They work very hard and, and there's a lot of hours involved with that. I have a compassion heart towards it. But I do know that if that's not what God's called you to do, you're going to have to start praying, God, what is your will? But God specifically told me back to Victoria. And I did. When I moved back here, I started uh, doing something as an instrumentation technician for Ground and Root years ago at Carbide. And I, I started doing, being a helper out there. Then all of a sudden, doors started opening up for me. I wasn't completely fulfilled. I was providing a living for my family, but I felt God in it. Have you ever been in a place where, you know, I don't really don't like and love what I'm doing, but I feel God's in it? Because sometimes it's not your final destination. It's part of the process. Right. And I had to learn some things there. I had to learn how to be a good employee. I had to learn how to work when nobody was watching, right? I had to learn how to do things and be obedient, be a Christian. Those construction companies made me a Christian. It made me a Christian. God blessed me throughout the years. I got some college education. I got some, some, some knowledge under my belt. I was trained by General Electric. They sent me off. I was trained well, and I became an IE technician for a generation plan, and I worked there for 10 years. 10 years, baby. And whenever I started working there, it was going good. Right when I started having that feel-good feeling of, man, this feels great. I know what I'm doing now. They started trusting me a whole lot more. It took me a while to get this whole process because there's a lot of things going on. And it wasn't just the knowledge. It was relationships and being trusted. And, and I felt content at that moment. And all of a sudden, God said, I want you to start a church. <laughs> now, I'm over here making about $40 an hour. Ten years ago, that was pretty good. Still good today, I think. And for three months... God was dealing with me. We had already started this church already, right? But for three months, God was dealing with me to leave the business, to leave that work when the church started growing. Because we started the church. Did I say three years? Three months. Yeah, it was three months. God was dealing with me for three months. After we had already started the church and the church was going well, then when the church got to a place where it was growing, God told me, now it's time for you to walk away and do this full time. I didn't take a paycheck for three years when we started the church. But when God told me it was time to leave, it was three months, and everything at that plant started going wrong. We did overhauls. We worked on equipment. Things would break. Somebody almost got injured really bad in most cases, and all the motors in that whole plant started going out. Things, crazy things were happening. Finally, one day I said, I told my boss, it's time for me to go, man. It was very hard for me to do. It was scary. Losing everything, losing all my benefits, losing all the things I had. But the day I lost my will and said, okay, Lord, I trust you. 
whatever you want to do. And I walked away. That's when things started changing. My boss called me. I called him back like maybe a month later. And they said they actually were upset with me. And I said, why are you upset with me? Bob, we're fixing to go get you. So why? Because as soon as you left, everything started working well, and we thought you were messing with everything. <laughs> everything started working better. Things were going better. And I thought, man, that wasn't me. I wasn't supposed to be there. I was a Jonah in your boat. When you get in the wrong place, you can become a Jonah. But if you know you're meant to be there, don't become a Jonah just by making things difficult. <laughs> right? Yes. But the moment I walked away, things changed. And I said, God, thank you. And he has never felt it since we've been here full time. He's never felt it. There are pastors that are amazed that we're still doing church here in this location. We knew it didn't matter the location. They had to be the testing ground here because people come here for a relationship with Jesus. They come here because of what they feel. They come here to hear the word. They come here because we know they know that we take it serious and it's our life. This is what we do. And the next location we're going to, it's not going to be any different. Our assignment as a church body is to walk away from our own will and embrace his will for our life as a church. And that is to see this lost saved. That is to see more people let their hearts be changed. That means that when we all come to church that we're all participating and we're not sitting there like this trying to lock up a service. We're not just standing there like that trying to lock up a service and trying to cause division. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Don't do that. Don't allow your spirit to do that and defy the presence and the presence in the Word of God because you're a contradiction and you're just being stubborn. But I promise you, if you just allow God to break you and allow God to mold you and just let God do something for you, then you're going to see Him change your heart. He's going to make things better. He's going to get rid of the bitterness. He's going to give you greatness. He's going to do something for you that will change your life. But you have to understand our assignment is what matters. We have an assignment. This whole series is getting us in a mindset that we have a responsibility. Our assignment is to see the lost saved. Our assignment is to make disciples of all nations. Our assignment is that everyone in this building would fall head over heels to Jesus Christ. That, that you would make him the center of your life and let him be Lord of all. And let him be the God of goodness in your life. And let his favor and his face shine upon you every day and walk in his benevolence and walk in his compassion. God is here. God is real. And God loves you so much. God loves you all so much. And no, you're not like everyone else, but you are made to make a difference and you'll fit into his presence. You'll fit into his presence. He accepts everybody and you'll find your place in him if you just allow him to touch your heart, move on your heart, change your heart, release and surrender your heart. God can work in your life and you'll feel fit in because in God's presence, everyone belongs. Everyone belongs. Here's the conclusion. Our assignment, our assignment is the same one Jesus had to do the will of God. That's our assignment, to do the will of God. I want you to stand to your feet this Sunday morning. We're done. I want you to stand to your feet, and I want you to lift your hearts with your hands. If you will, just simply love on Him right now. And tell him, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. God, I know I'm stubborn. Listen, I, I can be stubborn. I know I'm stubborn. But I'm going to pray my prayer. And you can pray with me. How about that? I'm going to pray a prayer for me, and you follow along with me. If it, if it kind of resides with you. Father, forgive me for being selfish. Father, forgive me for not wanting to do what you want me to do. Forgive me for being lazy sometimes, God, and and not praying like I should. And forgive me, Lord, for not being obedient and reaching out to people like I should. 
Lord, I pray that my will would conform to your will today. Lord, forgive me for not having a better attitude, God, about life and about being saved. And forgive me, Lord, if I've not been what I've needed to be. But I surrender to you today. I recommit to you today. I recommit to you today, dear God. And I understand that, Lord, I've been chosen by you. I've been saved by you. I've been, God, transformed by your love. I surrender to you right now. Now we're going to pray this prayer together. If you're in this building and you've not given your life to Jesus, now is the time to do it. Just pray with me as we all pray together. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I accept you, God, as my Lord and Savior. I know you died for me. And I accept that today. I love you. I need you. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name. Now everybody give the Lord a hand. Clap of praise. here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download our app.